First Chronicles 12 tonight. We'll get started here right away here after well, just a story. We sang the song. We sang a Fanny Crosby song this morning. We just sang one just moments ago. He hides my soul in the cleft of the rock that shadows the dry where rivers of pleasure I see. Um, I think of that song, uh, in the cleft of the rock. I was thinking of a story that goes along with the message here in just a few moments here. And uh, am I on? Am I okay? Oh. Let's find out here if I'm on or off. Oh, I supposed to turn it on. There, now I'm on. First Chronicles 12, I'll tell you a story about this. Uh, David, uh, of course, he's become king. And when we were in Israel, Sonny and I, three or four years ago, uh, there, we were in the Valley of Elam. Now, Sonny, you don't remember because you were at the pavilion with the, 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 the Arab boys there, and you couldn't take the long walk, about a half-mile walk up into the mountains. And uh, I went, of course, in a little cleft of the rock, a little crag in the, the mountains, uh, valleys. I mean, they're about like this steep here. And uh, just a little, little brook. I mean, in fact, the brook was probably about as wide as my hand here. You could cross it, cross it with your feet, no problem at all, would not get wet at all. But David was hiding from, uh, where they think David was hiding for, from Saul in the cleft of the rock, of course. Amazing story. And I was thinking David is hiding for his life with just a handful of men. Here we see him with his uh, entourage of men, his mighty men, of course, First Chronicles 12. We just have two verses in way of introduction tonight here to the message. We're going to take our second verse first. That's verse 33. We have the chronicle of these men of these mighty men of David, these men that were 30 years of age and older that made up his army, of course, as his coalition of his, uh, this new country that's been formed, Jerusalem being the capital, and of course Israel being birthed by David, of course, essentially with uh, the first king of, or second king of, uh, the God, of God's choice after Saul, of course, you know the story. But verse 33 of First Chronicles 12 of Zebulun, that's of the tribe of Zebulun. Such as went forth to battle, expert in war, with all instruments of war, 50,000. 50,000 men from the tribe of Zebulun, which could keep rank. The Bible says, and to their credit, they were not of double heart. We would say it this way, they were all in. They understood the cause. But verse 32 is our text verse, and... There was a book that was written called The Issachar Factor. I read it many years. Anybody ever read that book? Good. Then you know where I got my message from 20 years ago. And uh, it's a great book, of course, The Issachar Factor. It says of the children of Issachar, verse 32, this is our text verse, and of the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do, the heads of them were 200, and all their brethren were at their commandment. The Bible says that the men of Issachar, they had understanding of the times. Understanding of the times. I'm wondering if you have understanding of the times. I'm afraid that we're going to find out that there's many people that are completely lost in regards to, and clueless in regards to understanding of the times. But I want to deal with the subject tonight here. And on July 26th, 2020, and we're preaching to 20, 20 people, whatever we have here tonight, 25 people, and a number of people online now. Thank you, folks that are online. Glad that you're with us tonight as well. 
But I want to preach to a handful of people, relatively speaking. A small group, as David was in the cliff of the rock in the Valley of Elam just a short period of time before this, he was faithful in the, the hard times. These are hard times in America, and I think we all know that, but we want to address this question and ask the question tonight, do you understand the times that we're living in? Let's make our prayer, Heavenly Father. In the minutes that we have tonight, Lord, the children of Israel are the smallest group of people really in almost the face of the earth. There's only 14 million or so of them scattered around planet Earth, one for every 2,000 people, I believe it is, on planet Earth. And yet, Lord, they're mighty people. Lord, there are 12 tribes of Israel, and obviously the tribe of Issachar was one of the 12. There's just a handful of them. But, Lord, they had an understanding of the times. Lord, you said when, when you come, will you find faith on the earth? Lord, men's hearts shall wax faint, the Bible says, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Lord, we're living in the days of the latest to see in the church, the days of apostasy. Lord, but I thank you for each person within the sound of this voice. I thank you, Lord, for every gospel-preaching church around uh, New England and in Connecticut and America today and around the world, for that matter. We pray for prayer blessing on our brethren in general. We pray for Brother Romanello as he comes to mind tonight, Lord. I pray for prayer blessing upon him. Be with our church family, but Lord, we know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So speak to our hearts that are within the sound of this voice as we examine your word tonight, we pray, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give you three things, three times, three times to begin with, just have a three-fold introduction in regards to the times of the children of Issachar that they lived in, and then a three-fold uh, uh, what the conditions were like in, in, in Israel in the times of the children of Issachar, and they had an understanding of the times. First of all, as far as the children of Issachar are concerned, they lived in a time of great calamity, of great change. They're, they're, uh, David and Saul in chapter 10, we won't turn there for time's sake, but the previous two chapters back are, we see that in chapter 10 of First Chronicles that Saul had committed suicide in battle. He was the king that was anointed by the people. He was the people's choice. God, he was not God's choice, he was the people's choice. You know the rest of that story, how that played out in the 40 years of, of difficult times that Israel had because of Saul, the, the king that the people chose. He was head and shoulders above all the men of the, he was, he was man looked on the uh, outward appearance and not in the heart as God looks on the heart. But we see in chapter 11 that David has just been anointed king. Now he spent seven years in Hebron under, with reigning over just two tribes, and then 33 years he's going to reign, and this is the beginning of this 33-year reign, or 40 years in totality, this reign of over the, all the United House of Israel. Of course, he takes Jabesh, he takes what we know of today as Jerusalem, of course, and becomes the city of the hill, hill of Milo, and becomes the city of David, of course. And, and again, we know the rest of that story. And so this is a, it was a time of great calamity, a time of great change. And I would suggest to you that... Uh, the, David's country was a fledgling country at this time, but it's lasted for 3,000 years, this nation of Israel. Of course, there's a period of time there, of course, 1,500 years where they go into, or, or pardon me, 570-some years where they go into, uh, uh, the, we get to the time of the cross of Calvary, and then, of course, the destruction of Jerusalem. But it's a fledgling nation, and they were rebirthed in 1948. We'll talk about it in a few moments, Lord willing. It was a fledgling country, 
I would say we're America is as 244 years old, we're not just a fledgling country. We still are in the grand scheme of things, we're still a new country. We're on fire country for sure tonight, and uh, I don't mean to be negative, I'm just being honest with, the, with what's going on. When George Washington and his troops were freezing to death on December 24, 1776, Thomas Paine wrote in an American Crisis, the pamphlet of the day. It was read, by the way, three nights before Trenton, the Battle of Trenton in, on December 24th. I've been there several times at the, the river there in Delaware River where Washington crossed Delaware and surprised the Haitians to win the first battle for the American cause in 1776 on Christmas night. But he wrote these words, Thomas Paine did, these are the times to try men's souls. And uh, as others were sitting by the fire and warming, their, uh, warming themselves on a cold Christmas Eve night, General Washington and a few thousand ragtag soldiers made up the Continental Army. They were in the battle, they were in the fray. And they would make a huge difference. They were, they were considered outcasts and they were considered... Uh, uh, again, a ragtag army on the, the greatest army in the world. But it reminds me of four types of people in the times of great uncertainty. This, this children of Israel, this car, they lived in a time of great change, great, great calamity, but of great uncertainty as well. And in times of uncertainty, there's always four types of people. The first type of people, I've already alluded to them, some people are clueless. Many Americans are absolutely clueless what's going on in America today. They're just absolutely, completely brain dead, for lack of a better phrase. Our country is burning to the ground, and we don't, we're more concerned about our barbecues than we are about our, our cities being destroyed and our culture and our heritage being destroyed. Many are clueless. It's sad to know and to, to test that some Christians are even clueless as well. Our country, are, are, we're on the break of, break of disaster in America, destruction in America. We're... I don't know if we can pull out of the, the fire that we're in. The barbarians are at the gates, literally at the gates. We got mayors joining in riots and to burn down our cities in America and with impunity. It used to be a day when that was called treason, and now it's considered political correctness. These are days that we live in. We have people that are clueless. I would dare say that the majority of Torrington, Connecticut, and in Northwest Connecticut, then the majority of people are following that first category of clueless. But then, like the children of Issachar's times, they had clueless people too, I'm sure. But they had, not only did they have clueless people, but they had some people that were, they had a clue, but they could care less. You've heard of one preacher said to a man, he says, you know what the two uh, worst things are in the church? And the man says, I, I don't know and I don't care. We, we don't care. We have Christians, you know, I try to, I shouldn't tell you this, tell you a little pastoral secret, I try to be encouraging when I give a calling post call, there's so much negativity in the world, I try to give, being halfway encouraging and try to let people know that God's on the throne and so forth. Sometimes I want to let my guard down and just say, get your stinking heart right with God. <laughs> Let's just, just start serving God here, the world's burning up and we're, we're playing games, we're playing Christianity. But some people are clueless, the majority. Some could care less. Doesn't matter what the preacher says, how he says it, if he says it with love or says it with fervency, people could care less. As in the days of Iskar, there's a third group of people. Some people are just calloused. They've, they're callous. They've heard it all before. They're hardened. They're from the deceitfulness of sin. They're hardened. They're, 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 
You've heard it all before from the preachers. I know Christians that have Bible college trained and been to, I know Christians that have been in church services Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night for 20, 30 years and they're nowhere to be found in the house of God today. They have no desire to serve God. They're calloused. They don't care. They're indifferent. They, they, they do not say that as a teenage boy like David, is there not a cause? And they've lost their, their passion and their concern and they're, they're calloused. But then there's a few people and the children of Issachar were some of those few people. They weren't callous. They weren't, they weren't uh, careless. They weren't clueless, but they were concerned. They had a concern. It said, and there's a, I don't know how accurate this percentage is, but it says, it talks about the three percenters. You know, we have a free country today. We had a free country because 240 years ago, we had men that rose up and went to the field of battle. When the vast majority, by the way, of New York City, I'll give you a little history lesson. Much of New York City was filled with Tories. They were loyal to the British crown. They were loyal to the king. But there were some few patriots out there and there were a few Christians out there that said, no, we'll have no king but King Jesus over us. And we'd rather fight and rather die than live, this, live in tyranny, live in uh, slavery. And they rose up and they, they fought the fight when nobody gave them a chance. They rose up against the giant and... By God's grace, they won. These are the children of Issachar. They, it was a time of great calamity in, in, in Israel, a time of great uncertainty. Speaking of uncertainty, I don't know, and I'm trying to do this without being negative tonight here, but I think people need to wake up and, to use a lame phrase, smell the coffee. I don't know if we have an America any longer. I don't know... We may have already crossed a deadline. We may have already crossed over. I hope I'm wrong. I, boy, I want to be wrong. I'll be, the, be praising God. But elections have consequences, and we have this election coming up in November. This is a make or break for America as never before, what we do with, with this election, if we're going to have a country left or if we're going to turn it over to the barbarians and to the, to the uh, folks that think things matter that don't matter at all. And they're, they're being deceived and we're turning over to Marxism and communism. Or we're going to be a free people. They were, these children of Issachar, they were, lived in a time of great uncertainty, a time of great change. But thirdly, it was a time of, for at least for some of them, the children of Issachar for sure, a time of great clarity. They understood the times. It's now, now it's more than ever before. I'll be clear for Christians to understand the times, to see what's happening in America, around the world. It's a time of clarity, but for some it's a time of confusion. It's a time of cloudiness, a time of uncertainty. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15, he that is spiritual judgeth or discerneth all things. You ought to be able to wake up and see what's happening in America. And I know I'm talking to a friendly crowd tonight, and I believe that you hopefully see what's happening, but we can even be desensitized and confused in, in, in the clouds, spiritually speaking, in, cl in cloudiness and uncertainty, as we touched on this morning. But Jesus said, when you see all these things come to pass, look up for your redemption draweth nigh. So I want to give you three things tonight. Here's the message proper. Christians, like the children of Israel, are to do. First of all, according to, turn to Matthew chapter 16. Let's begin there and go to the New Testament now for the balance of our message here. Matthew chapter 16 tonight.
Verse number one will begin. The Pharisees, now that's the religious crowd of the day. Also with the Sadducees, there's a secular crowd of the day, came and tempting desired him that he would, or asked him that he would show them a sign from heaven. They came to tempt the Lord Jesus. They despised the Lord Jesus. They, they, I want you to consider, first of all, this morning here, or this evening rather, as children of Iskar, they, just, they considered the signs of the times. The Bible says there's a time when men's hearts will wax cold towards the things of God were, were there, where the, the crowd, the so-called Christian crowd is mocking the things of, uh, the Christian crowd is mocking the things of godliness. When the President of the United States can stand at a church that's just been graffitied and burned, almost burned to the ground, and stand at a, stand at a church and hold up a Bible, and the preacher the next day mocks, and the bishop the next day mocks the preacher, and not the writers for political showmanship, we got a problem in America. We, we've got issues in America when, you, when the a president stands up for a church, and a church stands up for the rioters, the people that very try to burn their church to the ground and put words on their graffiti to the building outside and inside with the, the, that F word. Pardon me, I shouldn't say that from the pulpit, but that, that's what they did. Just look at it yourself and figure out if I'm telling you, if I'm exaggerating one iota, I'm not. We need to consider the signs of the times. These Pharisees, this religious crowd, they hated Jesus Christ. There's many people that hate Jesus Christ today. They had a contempt for him. They, not only, they were more concerned about, notice verse number two, he answered and said unto them, when it is evening ye say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red, and in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. Uh, let's see, red at night, sailors delight. Uh, red in the morning, sailors take warning. I was talking to Janice about the weather just minutes ago. It's a subject of conversation we have almost daily. We've had a hot summer this summer. We had a mild winter. How many times do you catch yourself talking about the weather as if it's the most important thing in the world? I, I want some rain too around here. But some people are more concerned with the weather, the, the, the clouds, the physical clouds, than they are the, the spiritual clouds. We have many churches more concerned about global warming than they are about global sinning or global dying. And they, they, they're all about social justice. And here are these people that Jesus begins to chide them. He says they're more concerned with the science, the, the, the weather patterns. Lord, I didn't call them this. Lord Jesus did, verse number three. Oh, ye hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous nation seeketh, or generation seeketh after a sign, but, and no sign be given it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he left them and departed. Jonas gave a prophecy to the children of Nineveh in 40 days they're going to be destroyed. Boy, we don't preach on judgment in America any longer. It's not, not popular preaching. But they couldn't see the prophetic clouds. America, we used to have phrases, and now you can't even say these things. I recognize most everybody online here. I want to make sure that it's a danger here saying things, saying that I'm saying Looks like everybody can handle this online that I'm at a glance here, the 15 people or so that are online, whatever it is. But he used to be able to say phrases like turn or burn. Now that's insensitive. We used to say judgment is coming. That's insensitive now. We've got to be popular. We've got to be positive. We can't be 
truthful. We don't want to offend anybody after all. But consider the time, science of the times. These men, they, these religious leaders in Matthew 16, they came, they, they, they had a contempt for Christ. They tried to tempt him, they tried to trip him up. They, uh, the religious people of the day were these Pharisees. The righteous people, Christians, should see clearly several things. Turn to Luke chapter 17, if you would, please. We should see this clearer than ever before. Luke 17. The first thing that we should see is the moral corruption of the day, as in the days of Noah. We should see this with moral clarity. We ought to see it as clear as the nose on our face. We ought to be able to see this and understand. In Luke 17, verse 26, Jesus Christ's words. And as it is in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man, or the coming of the Son of Man, when Jesus comes again. They did eat, nothing wrong with eating. They drank, nothing wrong with drinking, if you're drinking the right stuff. They married wives, nothing wrong with that, that's sanctioned by God. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered in into the ark, and Matthew's gospel says, and knew not. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, also, Jesus gave a second example, verse 28, as it was in the days of Lot. Remember Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah? It was a real place. Sodom and Gomorrah was a place of wickedness. There was a certain sin there that uh, God called an abomination. He had, had destroyed. The Bible says, likewise, as in the days of Lot, they did eat and they drank and they, brought, uh, they, they bought and they sold. They planted, they builded. But in that day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. These are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Moral corruption on the, the face of the earth. We now have Christians that think a certain activity, a certain sexual activity is fine and that God's changed his mind and, and God's okay with these things. And it's an abomination to the Lord. It was an abomination for all, all these centuries, it's an abomination now, but they, we've changed, and, and uh, now it's considered hate speech in America. The moral corruption of the days of Noah, everything was just going along just fine, but God said, as in the days of Noah, we're still eating and drinking, we're still partying, we're still doing, just carrying on with life, and many people, again, are careless and clueless and callous, and they, they don't care what's happening. Churches in America ought to be filled to overflowing now, but we're emptying out instead. There's moral corruption, and as they know, with righteous people should see this clearly. Not only that, but turn to Luke 21. Look at one verse there in Luke 21, verse 25. Jesus is giving signs to the times. He says, I shouldn't, he said, you shouldn't, I shouldn't even have to give this to you. It should be obvious. But he's in his mercy and is trying to get us our attention. He still gives signs to the times. And I want you to notice Luke chapter 21, verse 25 it is. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexities, the sea and the waves roaring. How many natural disasters have we had? How many eruptions and volcanic eruptions and earthquakes and natural tsunamis and disasters have we had in recent days and recent years? And God's trying to get our attention. Remember a long time ago now, it's what, two, 14 years ago now, I guess it's been, I'm being a little facetious when I say a long time ago, that tsunami that hit the, the western shores of uh, uh, 
uh, Burma and in uh, India and so forth and Sri Lanka and so forth and killed an estimated 225, 30, 300,000 people. It, that would dwarf COVID today. And, and God's trying to get our attention. And the tsunamis and earthquakes and the, the, uh, going off the chart. God says, when you see these things come to pass, look for your attention to draw us nigh. So righteous people with clarity should see clearly the moral corruption, degradation, as in the days of Noah, it's today, today as well. See the constant eruptions of nature, secondly. But thirdly, it's still in Luke 21. Look at verse 29 through verse 32. And he spake unto them of a parable, Behold the fig tree and all the, uh, and all the trees. Now the fig tree is, an, uh, is, an, is, uh, is a reference to Israel. When they shoot forth, ye see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh, uh, nigh at hand. So likewise ye, when ye see all these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away, Jesus Christ said. Many prophetic scholars believe this is a reference to the... Rebirth of Israel, 1948, 72 years ago now. Generation has always been under speculation. Some say generation is 20 years. Some say 40 years. Some say it's an earthly lifetime, three score and 10. Some say even four score years. Some say 100 years. There's all kinds of different opinion on what a generation is. But we're into the year 72 of Israel being a nation. And I want you to know that there's the continuous tensions in the nation of Israel that is assigned to people with moral clarity. You know, we've been so sidelined and sidetracked with COVID and with riots and our own problems in our own country that meanwhile there's some giants and there's some monsters around the world called North Korea and China and Iran and a number of unnamed Muslim nations that we could go into all surrounding Israel. And they all, they all have something in common. They all hate Israel. The epicenter of all world, the world, the great three great world religions is Jerusalem, of course, and and uh, Islam, Judaism, of course, Christianity. That's going to be the epicenter, ground zero. Zechariah 14 is still in the Bible. God says, when you see these things, look up. Your redemption draws nigh. So first of three things that children of, uh, children of the righteous should think clear, clear, clearly is just like the children of Issachar. First of all, consider the signs of the times, the moral corruption, the constant eruptions of nature, the continuous tensions in the Middle East and with Israel specifically. But then I want you to notice, secondly, Christians like the children of Issachar are to be, secondly, be cognizant of special times. I've been preaching this second coming stuff for a lot of years. Oh, I can't walk away here. Oh, yeah, I'll say, I'll say goodbye for now. I've been preaching this stuff for 40 years. I've been listening to it for nearly 50 years since I was a teenage, young teenage boy. The coming of the Lord is near. Half a century has gone by, he still hasn't come back. Maybe we've been duped. Maybe, maybe, maybe we were the ones that drank the Kool-Aid. No, I'm being facetious. His coming, as we said last Sunday night, I believe it is, is nearer than ever before. I know that for a fact. But I will say, we've had special times in our lives, but in Luke chapter 19 it is. Turn there, please. Luke chapter 19. Let me read you some verses here. Verse 41 will suffice. Or 41 to 43, I should say. 
And when he was come near, he beheld the city, that's Jerusalem, and wept over it. When's the last time you wept for America? Have you ever wept for America? Jesus wept over Jerusalem. He wept over Israel. Saying, if thou hast known, even thou, at, last in, at, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes, for the days shall come upon thee, that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee round about, around, thee round, and keep thee on every side. And it's another reference to that was fulfilled in A.D. 70. Jesus spoke these words around A.D. 30. Forty years later, of course, the children of Israel, they would stand at Pilate's judgment hall, and they said, crucify him, crucify him, and they would say, and, and Pilate would wash his hands, remember the story. They said to Pilate, he said, his blood be upon us and upon our children. If a generation is 20 years, that's us and our children, that's 40 years. A.D. 70, Titus comes in and sacks Rome, or sacks Jerusalem, rather. A million references last week as well. We see this. Jesus wept over the concern of the city, the concern over Jerusalem. I don't know in God's time clock, but I see this parallels between America and Israel all over you know, throughout our 240, 400-year history, if we want to go back to the time of the pilgrims. In 1963, we said no to God because of one one atheist lady by the name of Madeline Murray O'Hare. We said we can't have Bible in our public school, and we can't have prayer in our public school in 1963. We took it out. Ten years later, we, say, we said that life is not sacred, and there's Roe v. Wade. Some 60 million fetuses have been aborted in the name of choice in America. And we have people that say that certain lives matter when, no, certain lives don't matter. Obviously, babies' lives don't matter. And we see this, 1963, we said no to God. We said, get out of our public schools, get out of our government. We said, 1973, get out of our wombs. Where it's my womb, I'll do what I want. 2001 came along, 9-11, remember that? Boy, America got right with God for about a week. Those are extra scriptures. Got right with God for about a month, and then it was ha ha. Or he, it was uh, we're, we're tough and we'll take care of this. And we forgot God and we went back to doing our own thing. And then 2020 came. I would say that we're in special times. 62 years of life. I've lived through the. I was a little boy during the Vietnam War. Lived through some crisis, the Iranian hostage crisis. We've had plenty of crises in our lives, but I don't ever recall anything like this. This is different. This is another. This is a different. This is a stealth war, but it's a war. We're fighting for our survival as a country, as a people. We're really fighting for the whole free world. We're fighting for greater than that. We're fighting for the gospel of Lord Jesus Christ. Atheism and communism and socialism and the China syndrome—you call it whatever you want—that wants to come, wants to rule the world. It's a battle between good and evil is what's going on. Jesus prophesied that there'd be some special times. I think we're living in those special times as never before. I was just at lunch today. We had 15 visitors this morning. I can't believe that. We had almost, we had an amazing amount of visitors. Well, one set of visitors sat over here three times, three weeks in a row. They've been here now. We went out to lunch with them. 
believers in Christ. We were talking about this, and the man astutely said, you don't find American Bible prophecy. Why is that? Well, we've been trying to answer that question for a long time with no real sufficient results. Maybe God's going to take care of America before the rapture. Maybe we're not going to be a country. You say, it can never happen to us. The wicked shall return to hell and all the nations and forget God. Many people don't recognize the special times that they live in. We're asleep. We don't realize that this is a very special time and God's called us to rise up and be counted now. You're in a special time in your life. How many believe your life is special? Say amen. Thank you for you four people that think your life is special. I caught you off guard. I just wanted to see if you're awake. No, your life is special. We're living in special times, in a special place. God has a destiny for us, like Esther. He has a purpose for our life for such a time as this. God, it's a special time to be saved. I know we have members that have young people in our church that are not even saved. They just grew up in church and they're just thinking they're going to go to church or they're just listening, but they never applied salvation to their heart and never been, they never had the accepted time where they called upon Christ to save them. It was a special time when I got saved as an 11-year-old boy in an old-fashioned revival meeting when a preacher preached on hell. And I still look back to that and I thank God for my new birth. My birthday's coming up here soon, my physical birthday, when my spiritual birthday is far more important than my, and your, your spiritual birthday is far more important than your physical birthday as well. It was a special time to be saved. It's a special time to serve. We quote 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, oftentimes in regards to salvation. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. But we don't quote the verse pre- preceding it, verse 1 of chapter 6, 2 Corinthians. We then as workers together with, with him beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. No, I'm not going to say it. Let me just sugarcoat it. We've got people that know better. We've got people in our church body and our church roles that know what it means to serve God, and they are choosing not to serve God. Sad. This is not Sunday morning preaching. This is Sunday night preaching. There's only a dozen people or 15 people online that are hearing this, and hopefully they're amending me right now. Some are saying, preacher, get positive. But I have moral clarity in regards to the signs of the times. We can't hide our head in the sand and pretend that they don't exist. And so we see this children with moral clarity, like the children of Issachar, they consider the signs of the times. They are cognizant of special times, and we're living in special days as never before. And my earthly Christian lifetime. I've never seen a day like today of 2000. We've never ever had a year like 2020 ever. The answer is, in my humble opinion, is no way. But then thirdly, turn to Ephesians chapter 5 and we'll be done in just a few minutes here tonight. Ephesians chapter 5. Understanding the times. We know that famous verse, don't we? I'm referring to Ephesians 5 in verse number I'll get there in a second here. Verse number 16. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Thirdly, Christians said, like the children of Iskar, we are to walk circumspectly in, our, in these sinful times. 
It's time to verse number 14 of Ephesians 5, or verse number 14. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Time to wake up. Time to wake up spiritually. Now it is high time, for now, Romans 13, verse 11 says, For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. It's time to wake up, spiritually speaking. We're closing down. And across America, churches across America, I've said it, and I know it's Sunday night, and I used to preach this message to well over 100 people on Sunday night. I know maybe I'm a poor preacher and I don't say that to look, get sympathy. I realize that many preachers can preach better and I cannot get that. I understand that and I don't have any problem with that. But it's time to wake up. It's time to get worked up in regards to what's happening in our country and our, our churches and across America and say it's time to sign up again. It's time to w- wake up. It's time to walk right, verse 15 of chapter 5 of Ephesians See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Let me pick on somebody here in the congregation here. There's several people I could pick on, and I could pick on. Uh, Tim, I always pick on you. Paul, I pick on you a lot too. So, Janice, let me pick on Janice. Sarah, she's fun to pick on. She'll let me do it. She loves me. Janice has been serving the Lord. She's one of our longest members. Janice, for over nearly 30 years. First wedding we had in our church was your daughter and son-in-law. And uh, Janice has been faithfully coming to church. Janice, don't get mad at me. I know you won't get mad at me, but Janice never complains, but she's in pain. She's in physical pain. She's been in pain for a lot of years, but she's faithful. I can just say for a record, just, and I'm not buttering up. I'm just, just being honest, just being truthful. Janice Specker has never given me a problem in the world in 30 years of being in our ministry. She's a blessing. She's a prayer warrior. She's a, she's a saint of God. Used to teach Sunday school. Used to take care of flowers for many years, of course. And up until just recent last year or two, things have gotten to the point where she can't do it like she used to do it, but she's still here. She's still serving God. It's time to walk right as never before. When I get to be in my 70s and 80s, if Lord Terryson is coming, I want to keep on walking right. I want to keep on serving God. I want to keep on doing right. I want to keep, I want to keep in tune with the things of God and what's happening. I don't, I don't want to go to sleep spiritually speaking. So it's time to wake up. It's time to walk right. Verse 17. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding. There's that word understanding. What the will of the Lord is. Do you understand the will of the Lord? The will of God is your sanctification. The will of God is that you walk, uh, you present your body as a living sacrifice to him. It's time to wise up. It's time to seek spiritual wisdom, godly wisdom. It's time to read our Bible every day. It's time to walk in our Bible every day. It's time to put a Bible first in our lives. It's time to wise up. It's time to walk right. It's time to wake up. But lastly, verse 16, of course, that famous verse, redeeming the time, Why? Because the days are evil. It's time to win men to Christ. Maybe it's a cop-out I end on uh, just a challenge. 
There have been times in our ministry, there's been times in America where we've had times of great revival. We had a first great awakening in our country back 200 some, 280 years ago called the first great awakening, 1741. We had a second great awakening, 18, 1795. It started right here in New Hartford, Connecticut, spread throughout New England, went to Williams College, got the birth of the American Christian Mission Movement going in 1806. It was a great time of great revival in America. People got saved. We could talk about Jeremiah Lamphill and Lamphere, rather, in uh, New York City in 1859, right before the Civil War, and the great revival that took place right before that Civil War, and then even during the war, men came to know Christ as Savior. But we've had cold times as well. Just in our recent 30, 40 years of my existence of life here, there's been times when it's been, it seems like it'd be very easy to win people to Christ. And today it seems like it's Maybe it's a cop-out, but it seems like it's harder than ever before. But God still has a remnant. God has people that need to be saved. And there's still relatives that need to be saved and loved ones that need to be saved. And I think of my dad, and of course I've used him in illustrations a hundred times now these last three years, at 79 years of age. God's still saving 79-year-olds. God's still saving people that need to be saved in their, their, their senior years and their, their in young, still saving young people. We were out, I was just thinking one illustration, we were out working the other day, and I won't name the names of the young people, there were four names that came to my mind, Tim, where were we at, Tim knows what I'm talking about, he named four of our young people, and he says, you know, he says, I would lose all hope if it wasn't for, and he named four of our young people by name, Daniel, you were one of the four, shh, don't tell anybody, but he gave you encouragement, there's hope. For the next generation, there's hope that we can continue on, and by God's grace. The men of Issachar, they were wise, and they were understanding the times, and they helped preserve the nation for the 40 years of David's reign and into Solomon's reign, and of course, foolishness entered in, and of course, as they say, the rest is history, the demise of the, the, the divide of the kingdom, and then the 10, king, ten, ten tribes a couple of hundred years later that were... They were called the Lost Tribes, and then the last two tribes have stayed for another couple hundred years, and many of you know the Israelite history. Then God, in his mercy, rebirthed Israel again in 1948, and he says, when you see all these things come to pass, the fig tree and the children of Israel are about ready to the nation of Israel. At any given point, somebody can, can push a button. I'm referring to a nuclear button. I'm referring to a I mean, if we've seen our world change on a Sunday night, it's ancient history. Three months ago, our world was going along pretty good. Six months ago, our world was going on pretty good, and then Wuhan hit. Then three months ago, everything was okay on a Sunday night. The one bad cop, and look at the results. It just takes one. But it takes one man of God to stand up, one person to stand up and say, I'm going to be found faithful. I'm going to be, have moral clarity I'm going to serve God as never before. In these special times, God's called us to serve him. Let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your mercy and grace and your long-suffering to us. But Lord, help us to be cognizant of the times that we live in. Lord, it's not by my intention to be negative tonight, but Lord, I know I've said some negative things. I understand that. I pray the Lord we'd be good soldiers of Jesus Christ. Understand the times. Lord, although there are tumultuous times, there's times of obstacles, this is a time of great opportunity as never before. 
living these last but exciting days, help us be found faithful. Lord, may we, until then, keep uh, uh, serving you until you come to call us home. Lord, bless this, your church. Thank you for the 15 visitors we had this morning. We pray that they'd all be back this coming Lord, Lord's Day. Pray for our church membership. A prayer, prayer, blessing upon them. Be with our nursing home saints that can't come. Our senior saints and Lord, some are, are still under quarantine. We pray for them. A prayer, blessing upon them. We pray, Lord, for our country. We pray, Lord, for our president. We pray, Lord, for those in authority that, Lord, uh, want to keep the rule of law. Lord, we pray for the traitors and the treasonous ones amongst us that, Lord, want to kill, loot, and destroy. Dear God, we pray for judgment, if not, if not uh, repentance. And we pray that, Lord, you might judge and we, Lord, we might preserve to us a free nation. But, Lord, may we be reminded tonight that this world is not our home. We're just passing through. Lord, whether America bends the knee or burns, Lord, one day we're going to be in heaven for all eternity. And, Lord, help us be found faithful until then, and we'll thank you for it. Pray, Lord, be blessed as we close out our service tonight. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we stand together, let's sing uh, Daniel. I'm